Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Missouri's new medical marijuana program launches soon, and state regulators are putting the pieces in place for patients to start making purchases. That has physicians pondering their ethical duties and what's truly best for patients. As it turns out, reasonable physicians can disagree on what those duties are. Dr. Mimi Vo and Dr. Mai Vo are sisters. Both are physicians. Both practice in the St. Louis area. But on the subject of medical marijuana, the two Dr. Vos have different perspectives. Big sister Dr. Mimi Vo is part of the Missouri Medical Cannabis Trade Association. She's eager to get things started. And little sister Dr. Mai Vo is a lot more cautious. In fact, she's not ready to sign patients' medical marijuana cards just yet. So we're lucky to have both Dr. Vos in studio today to get both of their perspectives. So Dr. Mimi Vo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And Dr. Mai Vo, welcome. Hi, thank you. So Dr. Mimi Vo, you're excited about marijuana's medical possibilities. Why? Yeah, absolutely. I have seen patients from um, out of state and patients who live here in St. Louis who have gone to regulated states and purchased medicine and started using it with lots of great effect. And I've got a a large panel of patients who've sought me out who are are coming to my practice and needing some guidance on dosing and strategies to help with their medical care. Um, And it's it's been really exciting to see the positive effects. And you say that um, they've gotten this for medical conditions. What are some of the ways you've seen your patients Mm -hmm. use it? I have a, a young young girl in my practice who's using um, cannabinoids for her seizures. I have an older patient who's using it for their B-cell lymphoma, um, as some who are using it for their chronic pain, chronic knee osteoarthritis, or rheumatoid arthritis. So Dr. Maivo, that all sounds so good. What has you concerned? Um, I guess my main concern is that um, at this point, I think research is there and it's ongoing, but it is kind of limited. The other thing that um, we're taught a lot in medical school is that when you're looking at research and data out there is whether the data is good or it's mediocre. And some of the data, because it's so new, um, it tends to be a little bit on the weaker side. And so as we are taught in medical school in our training, we use a lot of evidence-based medicine. And I think that's a, you know, one thing that we could do a little bit better on. And so I have a little bit of reservation. I'm a little bit more conservative. Um, I mean, I agree with my sister, some things we agree on, (laughs) Um, that definitely there is room for medical marijuana um, as an anti-emetic for patients who are taking, you know, um, chemo treatments and have like constant chronic nausea that maybe some other medications don't work. Yeah, absolutely. Using that medication, you know, as medical marijuana, as a medication would help them. Um, However, another reservation I have is that being that this is controlled state by state and it's not federally legal yet, that do we have a handle on how things are produced and how are things are marketed? And so those are my main concerns. It's interesting. There is a lot of talk about um, maybe pot is stronger now than it used to be and that different strains have different effects. And yet for a patient, it might not be 100% clear mm-hmm. what they're getting. Dr. Mimi Vo, does that give you any concern? Yeah. The, the uh, medical cannabis in the past has, or cannabis in the past has always been about 5% THC, and um, as of late, it's probably more 12, 20%. There are concentrates up to 50 to 80% THC. Um, and so that that is concerning that um, you know patients may be overdosing or using a little too much and having the negative effects of it. So I think it's very important uh, for patients to be educated. I think that's going to be the most important thing, to really start low, go slow, and 
read. I, there's not a lot of, of uh, a, a lot for patients to to um, learn on their own sometimes. They really have to seek that information, but patients should be starting with one to two milligrams and ramping up very slowly over a course of two to three days and moving up on their dose over, over you know, three days at a time. So um, as uh, my sister had mentioned, you know, um, with dosage and whatnot, uh, one of the things that I am concerned about, just because I'm, a, you know, the way that I've been trained, I'm a nephrologist. And, and tell um, our listeners, what does a yeah, nephrologist do? A nephrologist is a kidney doctor. So I work with patients with chronic kidney disease from the beginning stages all the way to the end where they have end-stage renal disease and they're on dialysis and they they need transplants. And, you know, the reason why I think it hits home for me is that, you know, because the research and the data is so new, do we really know how things are metabolized, like the medical Mm -hmm. marijuana? Do we know that is it completely cleared by the liver? Is there some effect in people who, or added effect or toxicity in people who have liver disease or kidney disease? So as you can imagine, as we age, our skin ages, right? And I always tell our patients that our organs age as well. Mm -hmm. So maybe liver metabolism is not so good. So, you know, I get it with somebody who's on hospice, on chemo for pain meds, you know, they're using medical marijuana, but you might have somebody who has some mild liver disease getting some, you know, medical marijuana or some pot to smoke for fun and maybe there's some toxicity associated with it. So I think that there's room for us to improve in, in regards to that research. I, yeah. I would venture to say the toxicity is is very minimal though. There is that cannabis is metabolized through the cytochrome P450 system. And a lot of times when we see patients having toxicity, it's actually because the P450 system with metabolization not of cannabis, but of the other therapeutics they're on. For example, patients may be on chemotherapies that now those doses may need to be adjusted. And if they have a, a side effect, it's probably more from that therapeutic and not from the cannabis itself. But I, I will say that that's an, on a newer area of research that we are exploring. There's a journal called the Canna- Cannabis Cannabinoid Research Journal that just post uh, had an article a few months ago and just came out very recently where they did a double-blinded four-way crossover study looking at blood concentrations of THC in patients. And it, it um, showed that the peak peak plasma concentrations of THC were different in men versus women. Mm. So yes, this is an area that we do need lots more research on. Um, but then again, what we're seeing is that the the um, the stigma, the negative stigma, and the 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 you know not of being able to research it in the last seventy years has caused this problem today. And patients are not waiting around; they're going to go ahead and get treatment. And I think I think this medicine. is time for the research to basically explode. I mean, it's coming, you know, and this is going to be it's a wave, right? So every state hopefully will legalize this, and I think it's a really good thing to legalize because eventually, you know, we're going to get it FDA approved the way that you know. Any other medicine gets FDA approved and goes through this pipeline of getting money to do research. So I think that's great. One of the things my sister had mentioned about the cytochrome P450 is that absolutely, that's a medication or uh, and, uh, a way that medicine is metabolized. Now, there are a lot of medicines, for example, like warfarin or Coumadin that people take for Um, as a blood thinner. For example, if you have an abnormal heart rhythm like atrial fibrillation, you'll take Coumadin as your cardiologist prescribes to you. Now, 
The issue is that if the cannabinoids are broken down in that system and that patient buys this medicine, right, medicinal, medicinal marijuana from a dispensary that does not have a doctor on board mm -hmm. or does not consult a doctor, maybe that's a problem because they don't really look at the medications that the patient's on. So I think that, like, you know, eventually when we're getting he hitting the peak of this wave and doctors need to get involved, I think it's really important for doctors to get involved. And I applaud my sister for, you know, being one of the supporters of this because we do need people who stand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm okay with this, you know. Yeah. Um, eventually, will I be okay with giving people, you know, giving a, my signature to give people cards? Absolutely. But at this time, you know, we need more information. And, and, and that's where I think with the Missouri Cannabis Trade Association, I've been very helpful is trying to bring this knowledge to doctors. And my sister will say this, we as physicians are taking care of patients, you know, 80 hours a week, we have families to take care of, it's very hard to find time to learn new research when it's not out of our field. I mean, she's a nephrologist. I mean, mm -hmm. how much time do you have to read something that's not nephrology related? You, you have know? to stay up to speed on kidneys. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I've been traveling the state trying to educate doctors, and I'll be at the Missouri Cannabis um, conference. It's MoCan BizCon and Expo, March 2nd and 3rd, and we'll be educating doctors there. I have a one-hour um, continuing medical education um, credit cre accredited uh, presentation that I give that doctors will be able to go to. And really, any NPR listener who is listening today can get 25% off with the code NPR25. So <laughs> I hope you guys can... <laughs> Good little um, ad right there. Plug, plug that in. But you know, that that's going to be important to learn, educating doctors in the medical community. We're talking to Dr. Mimi Vo, who's a supporter of medical marijuana with the Missouri Medical Cannabis Trade Association and her sister, Dr. Maivo, who's just a little bit more skeptical about some parts of this. Um, Dr. Mimivo, I'm wondering, among your colleagues, roughly what percentage do you think are actually knowledgeable about cannabis at this point? When I go into a room of 30 to 50 physicians, and first question I always ask is, who in here knows what the endocannabinoid system is, maybe one, probably really? yeah, zero to one. Most of the time it's zero. So it's so new. The research, the CP1 receptor was only identified at St. Louis University by Dr. Howlett in 1992. So it's really the last 10 to 20 years where we're, we're learning, understanding what the receptors are or what this cannabinoid system is. So, um, you know, most of the time it's a, it's a no. It's interesting. The way this is working, a lot of us talk about getting a prescription for medical marijuana. I understand that's not actually how this is going to work. There's going to be a certification form that basically says the patient has a qualifying condition. Um, Dr. Mimivo, what, what would a qualifying condition be in this case? Um, so cancer, um, epilepsy, you know, chronic pain, um, patients who uh, might have Crohn's disease, irritable bowel, fibromyalgia, um, so, so actually a myriad of illnesses. And the very last one is any chronic medical condition where the clinician believes that medical marijuana may be effective. So this is going to be a whole number of conditions that, that probably involve a number of people that, Dr. Maivo, you'll be seeing. Do you think you're going to feel some pressure to certify on this form when you have this kind of skepticism so, about um, what you'd be certified for? <laughs> yeah, actually, funny that you had mentioned this um, because I have already in the last probably year have heard this a lot from a lot of my patients. Um, as a nephrologist or a kidney doctor, I work with dialysis patients, and as you can imagine, their quality of life is not that great because at least three times a week they're there sitting in a chair, whether they're, you know, crippled or have back pain or whatever, 
you know, they have a lot of pain. Chronic pain is a, a, a huge situation in dialysis patients. So I've had a lot of patients come um, forward and ask me whether or not I will certify them. And I said, at this point, I am not going to certify anybody. I'm very cautious about it. And, you know, just as I am very cautious with narcotics. And the reason why I'm very cautious with narcotics is because we have this opiate crisis, you know, which I think medical marijuana may help with that. Um, but that's another subject. So, um, yeah, a lot of patients have come forward and asked me about it. And all I say is at this time, I'm not comfortable and I will you know, help you find somebody that's So you certified. might refer them mm-hmm. to, say, oh, your absolutely. sister? Or? Well, I try not to do in-family. Sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but someone um, like her, but not Yeah, her. <laughs> so usually I'm asking my sister if she knows anybody that's in the field that could help yeah. me with that. And I applaud SSM and St. Louis University for not tying their doctor's hands behind their backs. There are health systems out like there, like Mercy Hospital, who would said, any physician in the Mercy system is not allowed to certify patients. And I actually have, um, I'm a hospitalist as well. I practice internal medicine. So I can practice medicine at Mercy South Hospital and Mercy Hospital. I'm like, I can practice at both. But that is an issue. So some of these doctors that I've talked to want to certify their patients, but cannot because and they're not so allowed to. if someone's just starting from scratch, where would you suggest, Dr. Mimivo, where would they go to try to find a, a physician who might be on board? Um, I would Google, you know, medical marijuana certification, and you would probably find lots of, of doctors' names pop up. There are clinics that do just certifications. People are actively courting these patients right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I have so many more questions about this sister relationship <laughs> here, but Dr. Vo and Dr. Vo, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, thank you for having us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90 Point seven KWMU.